The aftermath of nonviolence is the creation of the beloved community. The aftermath of nonviolence is redemption. The aftermath of nonviolence is reconciliation. The aftermath of violence, however, is bitterness. And this is the thing I'm concerned about. Let us fight passionately and unrelentingly for the goal of justice and Let's be sure that our hands are clean in the struggle. Let us never fight with falsehood and violence and hate and malice, but always fight with love so that when the day comes that the walls of segregation have completely crumbled in Montgomery, that we will be able to live with people as our brothers and sisters. Good morning. I'm John Shuck, and you're listening to The Beloved Community every second Friday from 9 to 10. Resources for activism, that interconnection between spirituality, social justice, doing good stuff. And I'm on the phone with uh, someone who's uh, doing good work. Uh, He is executive director of Vision Action Network, Glenn Montgomery. Glenn uh, grew up in Chicago, moved to Oregon in 1983, attended the University of Portland, uh, he has over 30 years of experience that uh, span business, nonprofit, government, and faith-based sectors. And for roughly 11 years, Glenn worked as a software developer, implementation team leader, and business development executive on behalf of several multinational corporations. He spent another dozen years working on the government, nonprofit, and business sectors to promote sustainability and economic development in green building and clean technology. And the remainder of his career has been in service to the nonprofit education and faith communities as a coordinator and facilitator of human interests. And he is on the phone with me, uh, his office in, in Beaverton, uh, in Washington County, the Vision Action Network. Uh, Glenn, welcome to the Beloved Community. Thank you, John. I'm really glad to be here with you. Glenn, if you're on the elevator and someone says, What is Vision Action Network? and you've got about four or five floors to tell them, what do you do? Yeah. Good question. So Vision Action Network, also known as VAN, affectionately known as VAN, was born out of a community-wide process where the stakeholders in Washington County decided that they needed an organization that had no other mission than to bring all sectors together to look at critical issues in Washington County and figure out how do we collaborate with one another to achieve better outcomes. And those issues range from anything uh, including poverty, housing and homelessness, aging, health, both mental health and physical health, sustainability, those types of issues that have real human impact on residents in Washington County. So VAN is a convener and a facilitator of cross-sector collaboration. Now, their VAN isn't larger than Washington County, or is is it a bigger organization, or is it uh, it it came out of Washington County? It did come out of a community process called Vision West back in 2000. The county spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, many months of time working with over uh, roughly 2,000 people in Washington County, conducting focus groups, prioritizing issues, and out of that van was born. So our mission is to focus on Washington County. Well, talk about Washington County then uh, a little bit. Uh, what what are its demographics uh, and maybe population and, and uh, um... yeah yeah uh, Washington County is I think um, one of those counties that a lot of people just haven't quite paid attention to you know we're in the shadow of Multnomah County but the interesting thing about Washington County is it's the most diverse county in the state uh, 
Uh, we have roughly 575,000 people in the county. Um, it's expected that Washington County will be the largest county in Oregon, surpassing Multnomah County, in the next 15 to 20 years. And in terms of the diversity, um, the reason we have such great diversity is we have about 16% of the population is Latino, uh, roughly 12% is Asian, and then there's another 6 to 7% that are of other races, either multiracial um, or African American, Native American. And so we have a, a tremendous diversity in this county. The other thing that's unique or, or that I would like to point out to folks, when people think of Washington County, they usually think of Intel. They think of Nike. They think of large corporations that exist here in Beaverton and in Hillsborough. For that reason, they think Washington County is wealthy, that everybody's wealthy yeah. lives here. And that is absolutely not the case. Uh, the, the poverty rate in Washington County, depending on the city you're talking about, uh, the poverty rate can be as high as 12%, so that's one in eight people uh, living at or below the federal poverty level. And it continues to grow at a pace that is outpacing the actual population growth, the general population growth of the county. So we have income inequality in Washington County. We're kind of a microcosm of the United States in that respect. Um, so there's a little bit of a misperception that everybody's doing fine in Washington County when, in fact, it's not the case. Yeah, I, that income inequality I, I did want to talk about because you have uh, homes being built on the edges there that may start at 800,000. Uh, but as you just say at the same time, the, the numbers of population is uh, that that poverty uh, level is increasing. Yes, we have the same affordable housing crisis in this county as Multnomah has, as the state has. Um, we've got uh, roughly 14 to 20,000 uh, homes that we lack at that affordable level for people who make below the median income. Uh, we have the same challenges. People who are earning at that median income level can't are, are are struggling. Even the people at the median income level struggle to find housing here in Washington County. So we're, we've got a a dearth of housing. That's a, an extreme challenge in and of itself. And then our homeless population has grown. It's become more visible. You know, suburban homelessness is different from urban homelessness. Yeah, talk um, about that a little bit. What uh, what how do you, how do you see that difference playing out? Um, you know, suburban homelessness has been. Uh, uh, again, somewhat in the shadows, we've got people who live in their cars, uh, in camper vans. They are less visible uh, than those who are on the streets in the urban core. Um, you don't see tents popping up. Interestingly enough, there was a tent that showed up on Facebook. I believe it was it was in South County. I think it was in Sherwood. And oh my gosh. The stir that that caused, someone put that Facebook post and said, there is a person in a tent here in Sherwood. And that was a first for them, and it created quite the stir. Um, so what yeah. we might be used to seeing in Portland, for example, people in the suburbs are not used to seeing. And yet the homeless still exist. There are over 2,000 children that are homeless at some point in time in the year and our school systems are feeling that pain. They are working hard. I was talking to uh, a person, for example, from the Beaverton School District. 
where you know they work very hard to keep kids in the school district and yet when they're homeless they literally are busing these children from places as far away as Gresham bringing them into Beaverton because they want to keep those kids in the school that they started at but they're homeless and they are only able to get services or some housing in Gresham so that's happening but these things are all somewhat invisible to the general public you know we don't see it necessarily in the streets it's changing though Hillsboro, Beaverton, some of these larger cities are starting to see it on the streets, and it's creating some conflict uh, among businesses and residents. And, you know, unfortunately, that's what it takes to get our public officials to really start talking about it and grappling with the issue. I I was wondering, someone was asking me, I, I'm people I know I'm minister at Southminster Presbyterian in, in Beaverton, of, uh, yeah. we have a big yard and we put some tents up there. What do you think would be the effect of that? Uh, I think you'd have a lot of angry neighbors, unfortunately, you know, and I think uh, part of that is uh, on the one hand, it's the aesthetics, you know, people, people Mm -hmm. want their, their homes, their yards, their environments to look pleasing and having tents uh, and perhaps other uh, uh, structures or belongings, um, you know, creating a less than homogenous look in their neighborhood is not appealing. So the, that's one thing, just the aesthetics. The other is the fear. The fear factor, um, you know, the othering that we do with homeless people. Um, we equate homelessness with uh, either laziness, um, with um, dishonesty, with criminal activity, with drug use. All of those things get lumped in. Uh, to this uh, concept of homelessness, and people are uncomfortable at best and fearful at worst of those people who are experiencing homelessness. You know, they're worried about um, their neighborhoods uh, deteriorating as a result of the presence of homeless people. If you're just joining us on The Beloved Community, I'm speaking with Glenn Montgomery. Glenn is the executive director of Vision Action Network. Another diversity question. Uh, it uh, now I'm Beaverton. I'm thinking just the Beaverton School District, but I would imagine quite a bit over Washington County. I know there are a hundred different languages. I think uh, spoken at home, um, and, and that creates uh, opportunities and challenges. Uh, what have you? Uh, how, how has that impacted? Uh, for example, what, what you are hearing about what life is like in Washington County? Yeah, good question. You have Beaverton uh, is the most diverse city in the state of Oregon. Um, and you're, you're correct that there are about 100 languages spoken in that city alone. Um, it does present challenges. You know, uh, the concept of diversity, equity, and inclusion has become much more prevalent these days among um, businesses, among service providers in the nonprofit sector, uh, among city and county governments, DEI, that's uh, a buzzword that is really taking hold right now. I think a lot of that is uh, in response to the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, the racial disharmony that we have experienced across the nation, the national political conversation going on uh, in, the, in this uh, space has brought, brought the concept front and center. Um, And it's interesting to note how 
something that can feel so negative to many of us, so divisive to many of us, has in fact created a positive movement where I think we are having honest conversations about what it means to be diverse, what it means to have equity, what it means to be inclusive. And I'm sorry, we're no, go ahead. you were going to say, John? Yeah. Um, and everybody has a different definition of what that is. So, you know, we at VAN have been grappling with that concept. We're actually, um, through a program of ours called the Washington County Nonprofit Network, in which we provide capacity building, training, workshops, networking for nonprofits in Washington County, we are currently on our own diversity, equity, and inclusion journey. We've got a two-year Meyer Memorial Trust grant to support our efforts to advance equity in Washington County through the nonprofit sector and to look at this both internally as an organization but also outwardly as part of our mission. Um, and so we're trying to find ways. Uh, as an example, we recently, John, I, you know that we had had a, a an event on addressing homelessness uh, where we had 175 people from faith yeah. and government and nonprofits in Hillsborough talking about homelessness in Washington County. And inclusivity was an issue that came up. A lot of people said, we really need to involve homeless people, people who are experiencing homelessness in these conversations. They know best what they need. Uh, they need to be part of that solution. And that's, that's an example of that inclusivity. The diversity piece, when we think about diversity, most people go immediately to race. Uh, we think, okay, um, we need to have that. I was just listening, as, as a matter of fact, on the radio on OPB last night about a woman who uh, works uh, in a literary department in a university, and they were talking about diversity, and the chairperson said, oh, we've already, we've already got diversity. We hired so-and-so. And he was speaking directly to this woman, who, an African-American woman sitting in the room. He said, we've got so-and-so, and she's a good one. <laughs> Jeez. And, and she couldn't, I mean, she just was dumbfounded yeah. by the concept that, okay, diversity is, as long as you've got one African-American in the room, you've got diversity. So just the, you know, the, the concept of diversity is still very foreign to us. And we, we have to think beyond race. Um, we have to think about um, all aspects of diversity, um, whether it's age or abilities, uh, sexual orientation, all of those different aspects where people have different lived experience and bring a richness to the conversation because of it. So those are the kinds of things that we're working on internally at VAN and outwardly in the mission that we have. All right. Glenn, Glenn Montgomery, Executive Director of VAN, Vision Action Network. Uh, let's take a phone call. We have uh, Dan on the line from Aloha. Hi, Dan. Hi, um what was your name again? I'm sorry. Welcome. I'm John Schock from Beloved Community, John. and my guest is Glenn Montgomery. of the Glenn, Glenn, I'm interested in the issue of mental illness and the effect of mental illness on homelessness and how prevalent is mental illness among the homeless in Washington County. I work in Washington County. I work at a group home for the mentally ill, a residential treatment center, and the whole comorbidity and drug addiction is another problem. But I would like to specifically uh, like you to address the issue of, of mental illness and its effect on, on your work and what you're doing. And I'll take my, my answer off the air. Thank, Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Uh, it's a good question, Dan. Thank you. Um, I don't have specific statistics 
but I do know that mental, Ill, mental illness plays uh, a large part, um, particularly for single people who um, don't have any type of support structure and are experiencing mel- mental illness. They tend to be more prone to uh, being uh, housing insecure and experiencing homelessness, whether it's episodic in nature or chronic in nature. And by that, I mean chronic is a person who's been on the streets for months and months and months. Uh, Episodic is someone who may come in and out of a situation where they're homeless for a couple of months and sleeping on someone's couch, for example, until they can get themselves back on their feet. But mental illness plays a big role in overall health and well-being. And and I know that particularly for people who are experiencing chronic homelessness, those are the folks that, for example, the police force are in contact with more often than those who are experiencing episodic. Chronic homelessness is roughly 20% of the population. So one out of five people is considered chronically homeless. So the police are working with those folk. And oftentimes, it's an issue of mental illness that finally has the police intervening. And they are caught between a rock and a hard place because they can't really do anything to serve and support a person who is struggling on the streets, struggling with mental illness, until that person has actually done something that requires the police to take action and take them into custody. And that's, that's really a, a big thing. Of affairs. And that's yeah. that thing, isn't it? Because we, we we don't necessarily need our police, but we need uh, people who are mental health professionals. Yes, indeed. And to that point, John, we have a wonderful program that started a couple of years ago in Washington County. It's called the Mental Health Response Team. Out of conversations with the public health department, with mental health providers, with the sheriff's office, and with Van kind of facilitating a conversation, ideas started coming forth. Hey, what if we started putting mental health professionals in the car with deputies on patrol so that they can help in situations where mental health seems to be a factor in some type of disturbance that's going on in Washington County. So out of those conversations, they formed the mental health response team. This has become a game changer. It was something that was received very skeptically from both mental health professionals and police at the outset. But once they were able to kind of break through the the barrier of skepticism and perhaps a little bit of fear and distrust of the other and started having conversations about how they could align their goals and then did a pilot project and found that it was successful, we now have mental health professionals who are full-time assigned to be partnered with deputies in the sheriff's office patrolling. And they are helping de-escalate situations where someone might be having a mental health crisis. And instead of handcuffing that person, taking away their dignity, and bringing them to a solitary confinement cell where they're not going to get any adequate help and, in fact, might worsen their situation, they're actually having a mental health service provider work with them on site at that moment, hopefully de-escalate a situation, and then help them get connected to services that are going to help them in the long term. That has proven to be a hugely successful program. 
We're going to take a break, um, and then we're going to be back uh, with Glenn Montgomery of Vision Action Network. We're going to talk about how Vision Action Network actually brings people together and uh, some of the things uh, that have been happening and some of the initiatives, and we will be taking your phone calls. This is The Beloved Community. I'm John Sheck. I'm on the uh, phone with Glenn Montgomery, Executive Director of Vision Action Network, doing its work uh, in Washington County. We're talking about specifically the needs of Washington County, kind of a surprise that Washington County is uh, could be the largest county, uh, surpassing Multnomah County within uh, 10, 15 years. And so this population is growing. It's not just a little country suburb anymore. And we got uh, Karen on the line. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking the call. I I just wanted to um, bring up a point in the context of um, violence and mentally ill people, because that was where um, your speaker went to, and I realized he had a wonderful program uh, as part of his work to deal with that, but the violence amongst, amongst the mentally ill is much overrepresented in, in the American psyche. Uh, I, I did a study of the literature on violence amongst the mentally ill many years ago, and it's, it, it, the rates are comparable to the violence uh, um, among young men ages 16 to, I forget what the, what the out, outlying range was, 21 or 22. Um, and we talk, about, <laughs> we talk about the mentally ill as violent. But anyway, I, I wanted to bring that up, and I also wanted to bring up that three of the people that I um, have helped uh, just with donations of food and water over uh, a few years and have had conversations, with in-depth conversations with two of them, um, they are all three, I think, suffering from some form of mental disorder. None of them is violent, not one. Two of them are women, um, and they're chronically homeless. And I, I was wondering, I, I'm in Portland, so I'm not in Washington County, but we don't really have good programs for people who are chronically homeless, who are just floating around in a, in a haze of some sort or have psych, psychotic ideation, um, and, and they're kind of victims of people stealing from them and so on. I've had them tell me those stories. I just... Um, I just wondered if there's anything, any program that's available to reach out to women who are chronically homeless or on the street for long periods of time. And All I'll right. take my answer off here. Thank you. Thank you. And, and Glenn, we, we maybe translate that to, to, to Washington County, kind of a, a continuation of the conversation we had before. Have you had any focus groups that talked about mental illness? Um, there are, you know, there's a lot that's been done in Washington County. I appreciate Karen's thoughts, and, and she's absolutely right, if I may. Um, you know, again, there's this fear factor about people who are on the streets and people who are mentally ill. Sometimes uh, we equate that fear uh, uh, with a perception that those folks are also violent, and that, that isn't the case. Um, they are often uh, violence is often perpetrated against them. They are taken advantage of. Um, 
in terms of programs, there's a lot going on in Washington County. Um, just recently, in uh, last uh, May, I want to say, of last year, we opened up the Hawthorne Clinic, which is a walk-in clinic in Washington County that people can go to um, who are experiencing crisis, who just need somebody to talk to. Um, and it has uh, it opened its doors, and it has been at capacity since it opened, um, and getting great reviews about the the success of that uh, and the availability and accessibility of it is making a difference in people's lives. In terms of chronically homeless individuals who have mental health, that's a that's a difficult difficult problem to solve. Um, I'm not aware of specific programs that are focusing on that particular population. Um, I do know, uh, you know, I was a co-founder back in my youth uh, about 30 years ago, um, not quite 30 years ago, forming the organization called JOIN, which is a, an organization that serves the homeless population in the Portland metro area. And they work with a lot of folks um, who might be considered chronically homeless and are working slowly to get them back in relationship with communities, back into a stable housing situation. And they've had a good degree of success and tremendous growth in the 25-plus years that they've been in operation. So there are some organizations that are working on this at, at that very elemental level of where relationships matter, they are forming relationships with people who are on the streets. And that's what it, I think that's one of the things that we need to be doing. It takes a long time. It requires a lot of support. Um, but if we're going to solve this problem, those kinds of methods need to be deployed. Um, we can't just assume that folks are like widgets and we can put them through some kind of a manufacturing process and they come out the other end perfected. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. So these complex problems require some very fundamental, some very basic, and yet very long-term solutions. At relationship building, one of the things that uh, came out of, as I understand, when Van was first getting started, well, the two issues uh, of importance were uh, security for Washington County's most vulnerable residents, and then the other one was uh, kind of a building a a feeling that there wasn't a community itself of of, of a lack of relationship uh, with one another. Is that right? Is that tell me how that was phrased? Yeah, I think um, in terms of you know the the county itself, county government um, had a reputation for not necessarily investing resources in human services, and. And it was the impetus behind the Vision West process, where they brought those 2,000 people together. Um, and it was in response to that, that reputation. And what the county uh, wanted to communicate to the residents was, we care about these issues, um, but we can't do this by ourselves. We can't be the sole arbiter and, and the only one responsible for taking care of residents in Washington County. It requires a collaborative effort of all sectors and all residents. So that was the inspiration behind Vision West. And when Van was formed out of that, our mission was to keep people connected. So I like to say we connect people with purpose. Now, how do we do that? 
we identify priorities, we gather people to engage in conversation. It's as simple as that. Facilitate those conversations and inspire new ideas that take root and become actionable. So our facilitation of conversation hopefully is leading to action which can achieve better results. And we do that in collaboration with one another rather than in siloed fashion, which is kind of a traditional approach. You know, whether you're a social service agency or a government or a business, partnering with other people, collaborating with other people is is hard work. Uh, but it usually achieves better results. Well, well for, I met you because I was in a focus group uh, just recently, and that's how I wanted to get you on this program. Um, by the way, I'm speaking with Glenn Montgomery, Executive Director of Vision Action Network. Uh, we met in a church in Hillsborough. It was a bunch of clergy in this gathering, but uh, talking about the nonprofit sector. Can you tell me how this conversation uh, started to gather? What was the impetus behind that and, and where, where it is now and what you uh, hope to see come out of this? Of course. Uh, that focus group was one of several that we are conducting at this time, and it is to inform our strategy, Van's strategy, around how it is serving the nonprofit sector in Washington County. So, you know, as you might expect, when it comes to human services, the nonprofit sector plays a very important role. And we have had a, a program called the Washington County Nonprofit Network that has provided support to this sector for almost 10 years. It started in about 2008. We are currently trying to figure out, as the needs have evolved, as the growth in Washington County has taken place, we need to figure out how to increase our capacity and, and to enhance our services to better serve the sector in service to the broader community. So we're going through a, strate a strategic planning effort, a two-year process. These focus groups that we are engaging in are helping inform the strategy that we will employ. So we had a faith focus group. We just last week had a uh, professional millennials of color focus group. We are doing a rural focus group out in Banks, Oregon, which is in the west part of our county. Um, so we're getting diverse views and perspectives from people um, to help us understand, you know, what's your perspective of the nonprofit sector? How do you think it is strong in Washington County? And where do you think the opportunities are? Where is it? Where are we weak? That's helping us figure out what we need to be doing to uh, support the, sec the sector better. So uh, it, may, it may be premature to say what you've what you're learning already, but are, are there anything that, that that's kind of gelling together? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think we're recognizing a couple of things. Uh, we know that there is an ocean of need mm -hmm. and that we will not be able to cover that ocean. We are trying to figure out where we're going to dive into that ocean, you know, where we can create a ripple in that pond, if you will. And so what we're exploring is we're trying to get clarity on what that focus is. And while I haven't got that answer completely, at least we know that there are some areas that we need to just simply focus. What we've been doing in the past is trying to provide maybe more of a scattershot approach. Our training programs and our networking have been in various disciplines, and we think that that may not be the best way to do this. But to really carve out an area where we, where we think we've got strength 
and to capitalize on that strength. So that's kind of in a nutshell the direction we're headed. Glenn Montgomery, Executive Director of Vision Action Network. Uh, let's talk about a couple of things that uh, Van has done uh, over the years, some success stories. Yeah. Uh, to what uh, Washington County thrives. Tell me about that. Yeah. Washington County Thrives was born out of uh, the recession of 2008. I can't believe that's 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so back in the recession, when people were in crisis, Community Action, which is one of the largest nonprofits in Washington County, and, and if people are familiar with Community Action, there are many organizations that are either called Community Action or have a similar name. They were established over 50 years ago with the war on poverty at the federal level. So federal funds have been administered for 50 years now, supporting these organizations throughout the nation that are addressing issues of poverty and doing their best to reverse poverty in their communities. So in Washington County, we have community action. They came to Van and said, hey, we're the poverty reduction specialists in this community. You're the convener. What do you say we come together and bring providers together and talk about what we're doing in this crisis and see if we can coordinate our efforts and serve people better uh, during this recession? So Van began co-convening with Community Action, those conversations. And that evolved over time. And the providers saw real value in coming together on a periodic basis just to share information, but also to find ways that they might coordinate. And in, a, in 2012, the groups began talking more strategically about what they wanted to do to really affect some long-term change. We were coming out of the recession, recovery was happening, and so we were able to kind of step back and look at the bigger picture and not be in crisis mode. And out of that conversation was born Washington County Thrives with three priority focuses, essential resources including affordable housing, workforce training, and early learning for kids zero to six. Those are three evidence-based approaches to helping people get more economically stable and back on their feet and in, a, uh, self, in self-sufficiency mode or at least in the direction of self-sufficiency. So Thrives has been promoting, promoting new investment in those three. As I mentioned earlier, affordable housing is a big issue, so we want more affordable housing. But we also believe we need what's called wraparound services, and two of those are workforce training and early learning. People who oftentimes can't afford to uh, have a decent home are usually struggling economically because they have jobs that aren't paying them enough. They, They aren't getting medical insurance, for example. So they've got economic instability. If they can get into a workforce training program, that gets them into a more high-demand field like healthcare or as a manufacturing technology specialist where they can make a living wage and get benefits, we are helping them long-term. And furthermore, if families have children at that young age before they're in school and they don't have adequate access to a good childcare program that offers a stimulating learning environment, then that child is not getting the benefits they need at the earliest age. And we, we've shown that you know, uh, kids that get um, good early education are going to have 
a much easier time being successful in school and life as they get older. So that's why Thrives is focused on those three areas. And, and Van continues to convene that, and we've made some great strides in the last couple of years. Glenn Montgomery is my guest. We're going to take a break. Uh, he is the executive director of Vision Action Network. We're going to talk about more about Van's work in uh, in Washington County in particular in terms of bringing people together, getting that conversation started, getting ideas from diverse groups, uh, the challenges of, of doing that as as well as the uh, as well as the results. This is the beloved community. This is the beloved community. I'm John Schuck. I'm on the phone with Glenn Montgomery. He is executive director of Vision Action Network, visionactionnetwork.org. Glenn, you had a a statement on there. Some of uh, the work that you've been doing or collaborating or gathering people together is to make some uh, statements of change. For example, uh, a statement on uh, immigration. Can you talk about uh, about that? And as many of the cities in um, Washington County have become sanctuary cities. Yes, uh, thank you for that question, John. I, in, you know, with the campaign for president taking place in 2016, the election of Donald Trump, the policies that came out at the national level um, that were anti-immigrant in nature um, created quite um, an impact at the local level in Washington County. Um, I was finding that the the stakeholders in Washington County with whom I have worked that are culturally responsive in nature, they serve the Latino population, for example, or they serve um, African immigrant populations, were, um, were in crisis trying to respond to the people whom they serve. Because those people were no longer feeling comfortable leaving their homes to go to public places, whether it was a doctor's appointment, uh, whether it was the grocery store, um, their faith community, or even to go to the court to testify in, in a court proceeding on their behalf or on someone else's behalf they weren't being charged with anything, but they were there to be a, a witness for something. They were not showing up at the courthouse because they were afraid that they were going to be taken into custody and deported. Those things were happening on the ground in real time in Washington County, and I had people telling me, we need to pull folks together. Can you please gather people together and have a conversation about this? So I took that to heart. I put an invitation out. Three days later, we had a meeting. We had about 40 people there, which included the Washington County District Attorney. It included Metro Public Defenders. It included uh, city council people, uh, a mayor, uh, at least one mayor, if not two. Um, So we got public officials there. We got uh, criminal justice professionals there. We had our social service providers there. And we were just trying to make sense of 
the executive orders that had been coming out um, from the president, from the administration, trying to separate fact from fiction and understand how we might respond to it in ways that we could protect residents here in Washington County. Um, so that was an, uh, an important conversation, and it was one that really helped particularly the service providers who were working with people who are most deeply impacted by these issues, helped them take a deep breath and understand, okay, now I understand a little bit more. I can, I, can, I can report back to people and help them understand what their rights are, what they, what they should legitimately be afraid of, and what they shouldn't be afraid of, and how we might better support them in this process. And it, so it was an important conversation to have. I think so, and it brings and and the very fact that it just brings people together. You talk about we talked about siloing earlier about being kind of alone in our own vision and what Vision Action Network, what you've been doing with these conversations, is recognizing. Yeah, with law enforcement, uh, political office, uh, corporate life, uh, are all interested in. And, and working together and hearing the voices to um, collaborate, really, uh, and see if we can't uh, solve some of these issues. Indeed. And we have Roberto on the line. Hello, I'm there. Hi, Roberta. <laughs> yes, How are you? Actually, Roberta. Hi. Oh, yeah, I just want to uh, thank, um, thank you for your clarity and the cogency of what you're saying. It's uh, just really hearing you here. It's a wonderful projects. And my question is, um, I don't know, I'm, I don't want to veer off from the, what you're saying about the uh, immigrant population and, um, and the diversity of the homeless population and how, you know, but now, now I want to ask about the formerly incarcerated because um, uh, I'm just learning that you know, we have the highest rate of incarceration in on the planet, and how does that tie in with the homelessness problem? I don't really hear enough about that. Now, you're talking about the United States? Yes, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Glenn, is there anything on, on that? Yeah. Uh, thank you, Roberta. That's a, um, a very good point. Um, it is true that there's a relationship there between folks who were previously incarcerated, in particular uh, men, that, are, that have a higher incidence of housing insecurity, homelessness. Um, and one of the problems that we have, I know, in Washington County is that there's no support structure for an individual who is uh, released from a correctional institution, whether it's a prison or a short-term uh, institution, uh, and and put on supervision or probation, that they have no support structure once they step out of the doors of that correctional institution. And without that, if they have no social network to provide support, and then no institutional support, um, why does it surprise us that they find themselves in the same desperate predicament that they were in prior to being incarcerated that might have led to their incarceration. And so there is somewhat of a revolving door effect there. And I know that the sheriff, uh, Pat Garrett, who's the sheriff of Washington County, is sincerely concerned about that issue as well as the mental health issue 
um, poverty in general, those are systemic issues that play into um, ultimately desperate acts that lead to criminal behavior um, or other types of disruptions that put people in correctional institutions in the first place. So we want to work on uh, getting rid of that revolving door system, but it, it is a systemic issue. We can't just play whack-a-mole at this problem. You can't simply put somebody in a correctional institution for the period of time that they've been sentenced, let them out, and expect that their problems are going to have somehow magically disappeared while they were incarcerated. So without those supports in place, we are going to be repeating these problems. And that's just a, an issue of systemic nature that we need to work on, we need to solve. That Roberta, thank you very much for the phone call. Uh, Glenn Montgomery, Vision Action Network, uh, my guest. Uh, to, we got about two or three minutes left, so I want to ask you one specific question, and then I want to give you a chance to, to, to wrap up, Glenn. Uh, aging, um, this is huge, isn't it? Uh, everywhere, but particularly in Washington County, we've got people um, aging and, and, uh, and housing for that growing population. Tell me a little bit about uh, the aging initiative. Yeah. Um, we back in 2014, 2000, yes, it was 2014, I believe. It was actually before my time as executive director here. We held several summits um, in conjunction with AARP and other partners. Uh, the Department of Aging and Veterans Services was involved at the county level, and we pulled a lot of people together to talk about, you know. What are we doing for our aging population in Washington County? What does the, what does it look like demographically 20 years from now? Interestingly enough, um, I think it's probably changed a little bit. Even in just the last few years, we've had such an in-migration in the Portland metro area, and Washington County is no exception, an in-migration of young people that is bringing down the median age. The median age, I believe, in Washington County is somewhere around 36 years old. Hmm. So it's not that old. <laughs> That's a young person. Okay. Um, but having said that, you know, we still have a, a growing population and an aging population. And so there are still issues that we're, we care about. And, and I continue to be in touch with my friends at AARP um, looking at issues around housing. There's some intersection between their goals and mine where we see seniors who are, are vulnerable. We have a lot of seniors who... Um, have health issues, have housing insecurity, food insecurity. Um, so those problems are just as prevalent in Washington County as they are in other parts of our state. So we can't forget them as a, as a population, as part of our community. Um, one of the things that I noticed early on in my uh, tenure here at Van, I, went, I, I had the privilege of being involved in a community academy with the Tualatin Valley Fire and Rescue. And I spent 27 hours straight with the firefighters. I slept with them. I trained. And I went on calls with them. 75% of their calls are medically re related. Hmm. Many of those are elderly people who are vulnerable and afraid. And when something happens, they fall down or they get dizzy. They call the fire department. They call 911. Yeah. Fire department response. Those people need care. Our neighbors need to kind of step up. I wish we could get a better system where neighbors could be looking after their seniors and we wouldn't have to rely on our public systems to do that. So that's just an example. Good. We got about uh, 15 seconds. Uh, tell yep. me a little bit, wrap it up for me. Vision Action Network, Glenn Montgomery. 
So uh, all I can say is Vision Action Network is a unique organization. We're unique in this county, in this state, and in fact in the nation. There are very few organizations that have a mission to bring all sectors together to collaborate on complex issues that have better outcomes for residents within their communities. That's what Van does, and we're proud of it. Glenn, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, This is the Beloved Community. Catch us every second Friday at 9 a.m. on KBOO.